welcome all of you that are out this morning and all of those that are watching. We're, uh, we're looking forward to the day that we can all come together as one again and, uh, and worship the Lord together. But um, we are thankful that you are with us today and we are going to enjoy a word from the Lord this morning. I had uh, this uh, uh, scheduled for quite some time on the calendar and then all of this shutdown took place and all of that sort of stuff. And I, I talked with uh, Shane. He's going to be speaking for us this morning. And, uh, and I talked with him and I said, hey, if you're comfortable with the camera and you don't mind, uh, just go ahead and, and uh, continue to plan on sharing the Lord's word with us. And, uh, and he was comfortable with that thought and that idea. And so Shane is going to be speaking for us this morning. And I have no doubt in my heart, no doubt in my mind, that you are going to be blessed. So if Shane, if you will come at this time, let's just open our hearts to, uh, to the word that the Lord's put on his heart this morning and receive from him. Come on. Amen. Good morning. Well, I'm real blessed to be here today, uh, real uh, blessed to be able to share what God has placed on my heart to share with you guys. Um, we're going to talk today about God's abundant power. And so if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, uh, 14 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes, all, passes knowledge, that you may be able may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So with that, I'd ask that you uh, bow with me and we'll have a word of prayer before we get into this. Our Father, I'm so thankful for this opportunity we have to gather together with other believers, to look at your word, Father. We're sure thankful for what you've accomplished, what your son accomplished on our behalf. We're thankful that, you, that he gave his life for us, that we might have eternal life with you. We're thankful, Father, that we can be your sons and your daughters. Father, we're thankful for each and every person who's here today, for those who are tuning in on the internet and Father, I just pray that each and every one of them can be blessed, that needs can be met, and this word can be opened into their hearts, and they can receive it. And I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. So this morning, I would like to consider with you God's limitless resources, his love for us, and the power that he has to make things happen. We have a God who has made grace abundantly available to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he accomplished on our behalf. 
We have all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. We are God's children in the new birth and joint heirs with Christ according to Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. Too many times we limit what God can do for us. Too many times we hold on to our burdens. Too many times we forget to trust God. Too many times we pray, get impatient, and then set out to figure things on our own, not knowing that God may already be at work. Too many times we delay asking God for help to the point of frustration before turning to him, when if we had started there, our outcome would have been much better. If you could, please turn to Psalms chapter 139, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Psalms is in the middle of your Bible. Psalms 139, verses 1 through 10. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend all You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hands shall lead me, you, you and your right hand shall hold me. God knows us. He is remarkably familiar with every aspect of our lives. He knows our thoughts, our words, our needs, before we even do. He knows our doubts and our fears. He knows our strengths and our weaknesses. He is closer than any best friend, any spouse, any brother or sister. He knows us better than anyone else, and he holds us with his right hand. So why do we not access or turn to God in everything that we do? Let's look again at our text. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might through his Spirit in the inner man. We can be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith can also be understood as believing. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in him, in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We read that God is able to do above all that we ask or think. What could that possibly be like? I can think of some pretty wild things. And I cannot comprehend how limitless this statement is. So I want to try something with you. Wherever you are, 
close your eyes. Everyone just close their eyes, clear your mind, and imagine that you're in a space that is, has absolutely no light, no shape, nothing. You cannot see the hand in front of your face. Have that in your mind's eye? Okay, now listen as I read Genesis chapter 1 to you. And as I read, I want you to start picturing the things that God speaks into existence. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And he called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb and yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abound according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Your mind's picture is starting to take quite a shape, isn't it? So let's finish here. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, 
over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, now open your eyes. Pretty amazing, isn't it? This is our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He speaks and worlds are created. Notice in verse 16, it's almost like a side note. He created the stars also. Ever looked through or seen images from the Hubble Space Telescope? Stars beyond our imagination, solar systems beyond our imagination, and it's a footnote in Genesis 1. He created the stars also. That's our God. Unlimited power. Unbelievable. So if if this is the kind of power our God has, and we are his kids, and we are joint heirs with Christ, why do we not access it? Why do we not ask for help when we have need? Why do we not operate the power that is within us all of the time? In some ways, it's like having this high-performance sports car. It's got the rear spoiler. It's got aerodynamics. It's got really fast, high-speed tires. It's got an engine, 650 horsepower. It's got a high-speed, you know, high-performance transmission. The only problem is we push it everywhere we go. We get in the car, it's awesome, we brag about it to our friends, but we push it wherever we want to go. It's still an amazing car. I mean, I mean look at it, right? This is a nice sports car. But it takes a lot of work. But if, if we get in the car and we turn the key and we start the engine, now we have access to all kinds of power. It's that way with God. We have access to the power, but we're not turning on the key. It's there the whole time. We just never access it. It's kind of crazy. Look, if you will, at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah's after Psalms. It's a great big book in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Our God restores us. He has limitless power, limitless resources. He lifts us up and provides strength. 
He never gets tired, weary, or worn out. Consider these past months. They have been exceedingly difficult for some of us. But in the midst of all this chaos, God has been at work. I've heard some pretty amazing testimonies on how God has delivered his people. Food provided when there was none on the shelves. Money provided when there was bills that could not be paid. Encouragement for a brother or sister in a time of despair when they needed a kind word or a lift-me-up. Needs met in ways never expected, yet our God moved mountains to make it happen. That's our God. Look at another scripture, uh, scripture with me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. <clears throat> Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put in it, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for there they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. The sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I would suggest... Our God takes care of the smallest details. He cares for us. We are his kids. Won't he even do more for us than the birds? That's just a wonderful scripture, a wonderful reminder of how God takes care of our needs, that we don't have to set about worrying and fretting and trying to figure out how it's going to happen. You know, the bird, it really it paints such a picture. I mean, we see the birds every, every year. Every year there's plenty of food for them, whether it's seeds from a tree or a bush or worms out of the ground, or bugs. It's there. God provided it for them. Consider some of the other Bible stories we are familiar with, accounts that demonstrate God's ability to take care of his people, deliverance in times of need, and to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. He delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea. I can't even imagine what that... (laughs) Provided manna and quail in the wilderness for his people. Brought down the walls of Jericho, not with dynamite, but with sound. Fed Elijah in the wilderness with ravens. Delivered Daniel from the lion's den. Delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. Defeated mighty armies without a single sword drawn. Delivered Peter from prison. Healed countless sick, raised the dead. The list goes on and on and on. The examples are throughout the word. Our God is amazing, and as much, so much ability, there is honestly no reason not to turn to him for guidance, direction, 
wisdom, and deliverance in our lives. Who better to turn to than the creator of the universe? So we have considered God's power and have reviewed some of the promises. So then why are we not accessing what God has made available to us more often? I would suggest it has a lot to do with fear and doubt. We do not believe that this can truly be available to us. We cannot see how it can be done or possible. Our problem is too big. We are afraid to trust because we have been let down by others so many times before. Fear and doubt are the sand in the gears of believing and receiving what is available to us. Let's consider a passage out of Numbers chapter 23 and verse 9. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Unlike people, God has integrity that does not fail. He does not lie. If he's promised it, he will perform it. Look also at Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. So you have Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As we read in Psalms, God is with us wherever we go. Why be afraid? Why doubt? He knows our needs. He has integrity. He'll back up his word. He doesn't lie. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't have a limit on his bank account. There's not limits in his storeroom. It's limitless. And he loves us. Look at 3 John, verse 2. Other end of the Bible. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Here God's word declares to us that his wish for us is to prosper and be in health. God's, God wants nothing but the best for us in our lives. He sent his son to die for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins, become his children, receive Holy Spirit, and have direct access to him. Isn't that wonderful? Shouldn't we be shouting with joy? And that access allows us to cast our cares and our burdens at his feet and make our requests known unto him. We don't have to have fear. We don't need to worry. We don't need to fret. Our God has our back in all things. And if God has your back, was there really anything to be afraid of? The contrast to all that we have been looking at is that we have to believe in order to receive. Believing is the key that unlocks the door to God's abundance, power, and deliverance. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 21. Starting in verse 18. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? 
So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, believing, and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Believing, you will receive. It's not doubting you will receive. It's not pray and then go figure it out and go talk to your uh, best friend about it and then put together a scheme and form a committee and figure out how it's going to happen. No, it's believing and you will receive. Believing in God and Jesus Christ, that's how we receive. Look also with me at Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things does not really put any limits to, our, uh, to what's available to us, does it? No. All things are either all things or they're no things. All things are possible to him who believes. There are so many, many other passages that give the same message of believing throughout the Scriptures. I encourage you, to look and do some studying. Just do a word search on believing and go through the scriptures and search out. And it's amazing what that will reveal to you. But we also must remember to have patience. Our timing is not God's timing. Remember what we read in Isaiah? Those that wait upon the Lord? I'm often reminded of uh, what Pastor Gary always talks about, how the Lord has missed many opportunities to be early, but he's never been late. And it's true. Um, He's never late. We are so conditioned in this day and age for instant gratification, instant results, instant information, instant answers now. We are absolutely terrible at waiting. You can get on your phone. I mean, in, in just my lifetime, the changes that I've seen in how quickly information can be available to me is staggering. I remember doing research when I was in high school, and we had to use the Dewey Decimal System, and we had to go and look in the card catalog, and, oh, that, this is the one, and it may have, yeah, okay, now I've got to go find that book in the library, and if they didn't have it or they didn't have the right reference material, well, then I had to go to another library, or I had to, you know, there, you know I remember the old the card indexes that you'd put underneath, and they would pop up an image, and you'd scroll through things, and that was fast, <laughs> Right? Before that, you'd have to write letters to people or you'd have to go to places and do your research in person. Now, we just simply type something in on our phone and up pops 70 different hits on that. And now you have the problem of discerning what's accurate and what's not. But it's that fast. It's at our fingertips. And that is how we've become conditioned. That's not how God's work. God works in all times. There are times that God gives you information like that, and faster. And there's other times that you have to wait. We have to be patient. I have a short story that I would like to read to you from a book that was my grandmother's. It was written in the 1960s. The book is titled By the River of No Return, and it was written by Don Ian Smith. The story is titled Fullness of Times. February is the month of expectation on Sky Range Ranch. Most of our cows have their calves in March so that the calves will be old enough to turn out on the range when the grass is ready in May. 
old enough to wean in October or November before winter feeding begins. So we hope for our calves in March, and by good management, we get most of them at that time. A late calf means a light, light calf at weaning time, and a good deal less money for our summer's work. One of the pleasures of working with cattle is the fact that they are part of nature. They are not mechanical. Though they are domestic cattle, there is something of the wild creature about them. One can, one can manage them to a certain extent, but beyond that, they will take their own good time about what they do. Often in February, when I go among my cattle, I get impatient for the calves to come. I'm eager to know if the calves will be of good quality, if they will be big and healthy. Sometimes I would like to shout at my cows and say, Hurry up! Produce! Bring forth your calves! But they just chew their cud contentedly and look at me as if to say, Relax. In the fullness of time, the calves will come, and there is nothing you can do to hurry us up. And I know that I might organize a committee or hold a hearing for quicker calves, but still it would not help. In the fullness of time, but no sooner, the calves will come. The snow will melt on the mountain, the grass will come on the hills, and the birds will come back to the willows along the creek. It is a good thing for a hurried modern man to come up against something he cannot hurry. For so many of the best things in life are like that. If we limit our lives to the things we can, can control and hurry or retard at will, we will limit our lives to the things that are very shallow and unimportant. In one of the great teachings of our Lord, he said, The kingdom of God is as if, is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He knows not how. The earth produces of itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of ear. And that's from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 28. Our Lord is saying that after the farmer has his crop in the ground and has done his part, he might as well sleep at night. The outcome of the harvest is in, the, in hands much greater than the hands of the farmer. There is not one thing he can do to hurry the grain that will appear in the fullness of time. Knowing that there are great forces working for him, forces he cannot change, the farmer might as well trust in the processes of God and take time to be sociable with his neighbors, kind to his wife, and interested in his children. No amount of watching, worrying, pushing, or pulling will hurry the quiet, ever-active processes of God. This parable is not, for, not just for farmers. How much peace and joy would increase in the world if we would all remember there are, good many, there are many good things that depend not only upon our efforts, but the fullness of time. Modern man has taken so many things into his own hands that he begins to believe that those hands must always be active or the world will stop. We live in a wonderful world, but we cannot enjoy it. We seem to think if we stop to enjoy the world, the world itself might stop, forgetting that we have a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. We think we can neither slumber nor sleep. Modern man has become so concerned with his part in creation that he can no longer trust what will happen when he isn't there. He can no longer let things happen. He feels he must always make things happen. So life becomes one vast, one vast cocktail party where we feel we have failed if we do not keep the conversation moving or if for a few moments there is quietness with no man saying anything at all. Because he feels that the world depends on him, modern man can no longer live like a lark or a lily. He can neither let down nor let up, and yet he is lonely and afraid. He is like a little boy who has taken his father's big car without permission, and as he drives out on the freeway, he knows deep down in his heart that, he is really, that it is really too big for him, and he does not know enough to drive it safely. 
This is a frightening world, and one cannot live in it without faith, faith that he can plant and cultivate and then keep and then leave the harvest in the hands of God. When one hears the newscast and wonders what the future holds, what, what a comfort it is to know that in the midst of all man's meanness and cruelty and failure, there is another stream of events flowing silently along. God is letting his seeds grow, and he will bring about his purpose in the fullness of time. We know not how. One of the great passages of the Old Testament is in Genesis chapter 8. After the flood, the promise, while the earth remains Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God is dependable, and his plans are working regardless of what men do. When my daughter was about four years old, I helped her plant a little garden of her own. She was thrilled with the idea that she could put little gray seeds into the ground and that they would grow into beautiful flowers. So she planted her seeds, and then each morning she went into the garden and dug them up to see if they had grown. They never did. When we forget God, we often live like this, so busy minding God's business that we defeat our own desires. One day in the fullness of time, you will stand on the step of eternity, ready to walk into the glorious presence of our Father. You may pause on the step and look back at the road you have traveled. And looking back, you will wonder why you were ever so anxious and frantic. You will say, if I had only known when I faced that dread disease, if I had only known when I was worried about my job, if I had only known in the midst of my despair over the future of mankind, if I had only known how God was working out his purposes and his marvelous design in all of this, how his seed was growing even while men slept, if I had only known, I would not have been so troubled. I would, not have, been, I would have been more calm, confident, and cheerful. I would have been more loving and much easier to live with. When we become so wrapped up in the doings of man, it is time to go out on a warm spring night to look up into the sky and compare the greatest of the men's satellites with the greatest satellite that God has already put into orbit, the one we commonly call the moon. It is time to ponder the mystery of the seed that grows even while man sleeps and a kingdom that comes in the fullness of time. As surely as springtime follows winter and grass grows, flowers bloom and birds build nests and sing even when we have not shown them how to do it. So, I don't know why, but I always get emotional when I read that stuff. This story richly illustrates the need for patience and that things are in God's hands. It's his timing, not ours. He will bring it to pass at the right time, his time. Our God has limitless power. Our God has limitless resources, limitless patience, and our God has limitless love. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. We now have Holy Spirit, and the scripture declares in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 13, he says that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So as we leave here today, I want to leave you with these things. Don't fear. God is with you in everything you do. Don't be anxious. He strengthens you and has your hand in his. Be strong in the promises of God's word. He has integrity and will do what he says. Be patient. God's timing is not our timing, but it's the right timing. 
Above all, remember that God has us in the palms of his hands. He loves you, and all the resources needed are at your disposal to take care of and provide for you. We have direct access to him through our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So God bless you, and may your life be filled with God's abundance.